directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston. I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before and now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. The way that you guys have treated me besides draft night, I mean you guys booed me on draft night, every day after that you treated me like family and I truly feel like you're my family. You guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. The connection is special, and I will never ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity, and I've been working extremely hard, um, but at the same time, it is, it is always tough to move on. I just want you guys to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I appreciate the McNair family for giving me uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. Houston, we have a problem. Welcome into Old Sport Radio here on SportstownChicago.com. I'm Pat Riley coming to you live from the Fred Weintraub Studio here at the Illinois Media School in Lombard. That was the voice of J.J. Watt that you just heard from his Twitter page as he addressed being released from the Houston Texans after 10 seasons with the team that drafted him 11th overall out of Wisconsin. And obviously a lot of emotion behind the words that he put out there. And at least in my lifetime, I can't really recall an athlete that maybe has more of a connection to the city in which they played in than J.J. Watt did to Houston and just what he means to that city, obviously, with what he did for the city following the Hurricane Harvey tragedy a few years ago, raised $41 million, donated to charity, and provided trucks full of water and food and supplies, and really just in a time when the city needed it more than ever, put them on his back and and used his star power for good. And it's not... I shouldn't say it's not often, but it feels like it's less and less nowadays where you see guys like that really stepping up and using their voice, their influence for positive change. But that was that was awesome to see, and he was rewarded. He won the Walter Payton Man of the Year that year for all of his work uh, in rebuilding the city after it was basically torn down from the tornado. But outside of his charitable contributions in philanthropy, on the field, J.J. Watt is arguably the greatest Houston Texer, Houston Texan to ever suit up for the franchise. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. He finishes his career, career in Houston with 101 sacks, 172 tackles for loss, 61 passes defended, 25 forced fumbles. Um, those all average out to crazy numbers over the course of a season. And just, uh, he's been a difference maker ever since he came into the league. You know, before Aaron Donald was drafted, he was really the freak of nature on defense, the guy that wreaked havoc, the double-digit sacks every year guy, 20 sacks, 20 and a half sacks, two separate seasons, 17 and a half sacks, another season, just 
really the prototypical defensive end mauler. Just he'll bull rush you, but he's got some some other good moves too. Just really one of the all-time great defenders of our lifetime and still still a very good player, still a, a player that can come in and contribute on a good defense. And obviously that's where the conversation shifts after thinking about where does he go from here? A lot of options have been thrown out there. I was I want to just discuss a few um, that I think would be good options, obvious ones as well, not like I'm reinventing the wheel with any of these opinions. Most of these have been thrown out there, but just ones that really make sense when you think about it, starting in Pittsburgh where his brothers TJ and Derek both already play. And as someone who grew up with two brothers myself, unfortunately none of us have reached the ranks of professional athletes Athletics, but my, you know my brother Mike. He's he's still playing college football at Augustana. He's got a shortened season left this year, but you never know. Maybe he'll go to a tryout. Maybe he will end up in the pros. But for now, zero Rileys in the professional ranks of athletics. But for the Watts to have three in the NFL with an opportunity for all three to play on the same team, I just imagine knowing the family guy that JJ Watt is. That would be a really hard opportunity to pass up and on top of it not just going there to play just for the fun of it that they actually have a really good team and a team that is built to be a competitor moving forward there's a little bit of a question mark at the quarterback position with Ben Roethlisberger getting up there in age and people questioning his desire to keep playing and and question whether he can play at a high level those are all valid questions but just, again, the opportunity to play with your brothers on a team that can compete and did compete last year until they kind of flared out at the, down the stretch, I'd imagine that would be hard for him to pass up, and it's something he's thinking about a lot. Green Bay. This one would pain me the most as a Bears fan, the thought of him joining that defense, a defense that already gave us a hard time the last few seasons, and just adding to their depth, I don't like that idea, but it makes a lot of sense. He grew up in Wisconsin. There was a team he rooted for growing up. He went to school in Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin. So all the connections are there. Let's hope it doesn't happen, though, because I don't want to see him twice a year. I just don't. Cleveland is one that got brought up recently. He actually brought this up himself, saying he would want to go there. And I think that makes a lot of sense as well. I think last year was Cleveland's arrival after being on the fringe a few years back. But I think Kevin Stefanski really has much better leadership there than Freddie Kitchens was and has them on the right trajectory. And I think there's too much talent there for them to regress back to being the Browns of old. I think this is a new age of Cleveland Browns, which sounds really weird to say, but it's true. Come to the Bears, JJ. Your wife already plays soccer here. She's a star in the city. Everyone loves her. Everyone will love you the same if you come here. The Bears could... Couldn't hurt adding you into the mix. Opposite Khalil Mack, probably be the most feared duo in NFL history. Who knows? It's up to you. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to, I think it's a good option. The fans would love you. You're just a Midwestern tough guy. You'd fit right in with Bears fans. We would embrace you and give you big bear hugs. So please come here. I would really enjoy that. And lastly, I think Buffalo would be a great option. That would be my option if I was choosing If I were him, mainly because I don't want him on the Packers because they're probably the best option to go play with Aaron Rodgers. But Buffalo kind of, they arrived last year as well, but even more so than 
the Browns in the sense that they made it to the AFC Championship game. They were one game away from going to the Super Bowl. They lost to a really good Chiefs team. Josh Allen looks like he is the guy after some concern with him over the first few seasons. And they have a really good defense, but I think what's lacking is some veteran leadership and a guy who can come in and light a fire under everyone's butt and get him going on a week-to-week basis and get the guys pumped up to go out and play. And that's what J.J. Watt brings, and I can't imagine a better guy to be put in that situation to try and bring them to the next level. But at the end of the day, I ultimately think he goes to Pittsburgh because, again, I just think the opportunity to play with your brothers It's too great to pass up. You never know if it's going to happen again. The fact that two of them are already on the same team makes it so much easier of a decision. If they were split up, I think it's not even a thought. But the fact that they are split up, I I do think he considers it. So 2020 was a really weird year for sports due to the pandemic, and that weirdness has spilled into 2021. But the NBA seems dead set on moving forward with a long-standing tradition to the chagrin of their players. When we get back, I'll discuss whether they should move forward as planned here on SportstownChicago.com. Pretty much a kind of a slap in the face. Um, and, you know, we're also still dealing with a, with a pandemic. We're still de- dealing with everything that's been going on. And we're going to bring the whole league into one city that's open. Um, so, you know, obviously um, the pandemic has absolutely nothing to do with it at this point um, when it comes to that weekend. Um, so, um, obviously, you guys can see I'm not very happy about it, but it's out of my hands. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be there if I'm selected. Um, but um, I'll be there physically, but not mentally. Welcome back into Old Sport Radio here on SportstownChicago.com. That was the voice of LeBron James. You might have heard of him before. Biggest global superstar going right now. NBA's best player still in his 18th season, but not very happy about the prospect of having to gather for an all-star game in the midst of another weird season for the NBA after their season was put on halt with about three weeks left last season, which resulted in the bubble situation after things were able to resume in a safe manner, they formed the bubble in Orlando to finish off the season. And then the Lakers and the Heat were dealt with the shortest offseason in NBA history because of the delay. Uh, the season didn't end until October, which is normally when the new season is starting. The new season started up right before Christmas, so it was something of a 70-some day offseason, I believe. Regardless... Basketball is back still with restrictions as far as fans and stadiums, although there's certain areas or certain states where if the restrictions allow for it, you're still able to have the fans in the stadium. But I, I'm actually, I agree with LeBron on this point, and and normally you'd have to hold a gun to my head in order for me to agree with anything LeBron-related Um, I won't deny that he's a great player, but sometimes, most of the time, I don't agree with the, when he tries to speak out on certain things, I just, it's another story for another day. But in this instance, I think he is a hundred percent spot on that. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to gather for an all-star game right now, especially considering 
We have a situation with the San Antonio Spurs have four players who tested positive, so they had a game. Their next five games have been postponed. So you're already dealing with an outbreak within one of your teams. Now we're talking about bringing members from every team together to one city where the restrictions are loosened so people are more freely moving around and and living life. And just more of an opportunity, it seems like, for an outbreak. And the last thing you want is something derailing your season to the point that it comes to another bubble for the playoffs, which might already be being considered. And I get from a business standpoint as well why the NBA would want to move forward with this. They had to have lost out on a lot of revenue last year with the way things ended up playing out, not having to have any fans in attendance for their playoff series, which is probably their biggest moneymaker of the year. And we know we know the losses that Major League Sports in general have faced. The MLB has been very open about it. The NFL seems to manage, but these are all billion-dollar corporations, and 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 it's it's obvious that they lost out on a lot of money last year. But I don't expect anybody to feel bad for them, and I hope they're not expecting anybody to feel bad for them in trying to recoup some of that money. And I. In this instance, I am with the players in speaking out against this. LeBron isn't the only one either. De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings said something during a press conference the other day. There's been a few others. But obviously having LeBron speak out against it is as big of an indictment as you can face if you're the NBA as far as a player speaking out against you for something. Because LeBron is the biggest voice in the league, and people are going to follow his lead. So... You've now heard your biggest superstar say that he doesn't want to get together for the All-Star game. He thinks it's stupid. You should probably start to work on alternative ideas and ways that you can still celebrate All-Stars without having to have them play against each other. So I personally am in favor, if if they still want to, to gather everybody and still do the All-Star weekend festivities, the slam dunk competition, the three-point competition, the skills competition, all things that can be easily done isolated away from each other to where they don't have to stand close to each other if they don't want to. And people might argue that the defense they play in the All-Star game, they pretty much are socially distant because there is no defense in the All-Star game. I I still just tend to think that it's not the best idea to trot all those guys out there from different teams and just have them interacting like that. I guess in theory you'd get the same kind of result if you kept with the three-point competition and all those things, but just do it with no or limited fans. I, I, I guess part of the fun with that normally is having the players courtside and seeing all their reactions, but just considering the times, maybe only allow the, the allotted number of fans that you were going to allow in and then also allow the competitors and no one beyond that, no spectators from other players. Sounds weird to say, but it's just, I don't know what else you could do at this point I understand not wanting to cancel All-Star Weekend, but you got to try and figure something out because it's booked. That stadium, I, I I forget where it is this year. I think it's in Charlotte. I'll have to double. I should have double checked, but wherever it is, I'm sure they have they have their revenue planned around doing this. 
But but what else? What can you do if the players aren't interested? Because as I mentioned before, the defense played in the All Star game is already non-existent. It's basically just a and one street ball game out there where the guys are just going running back and forth, getting exercise, shooting threes and dunking the ball as much as they can, which is fun to watch for the rest of us, but just just an unnecessary exer- exercise considering everything that they're going through, having to be careful day-to-day, just playing the season, and just everything, I guess, that the country's going through with half the country being open, half of it being shut. It just feels like you could do something else this year. We already saw the NFL. They pivoted from doing a Pro Bowl game where they did a Madden Pro Bowl. It was super lame, but they tried something. You know, they figured something that you could do virtual. So many of their players are on Twitch, streaming, playing video games as is, so why not try and steer into that a little bit and see if you can get some added exposure why doesn't the NBA try and do something like that? I'd say it's probably equal, if not more, involvement for the NBA 2K franchise amongst players in the NBA than it is in the NFL. There's probably more guys that play the game, uh, especially because of just the nature of playing an NBA game. You can do more isolation, so you can play with your your actual self much more, go ball out like that. I don't know the answer. But I do know that if you're Adam Silver and you're the NBA and you hear LeBron James coming out and saying these types of scathing things about having to go play an all-star game, how he'll be there physically, but he won't be there mentally, that's not a good optic for the league because, like I said, players will follow LeBron James's lead more so than they will the league. They'll show up, they'll be there, but they won't be happy about it And then what? Then you get a lesser product, maybe, than you were hoping because, yeah, these guys show up, but now they decide that they don't really want to be there, so they'll just throw their warm-up on. And who knows? Maybe LeBron says he doesn't even want to check into the All-Star game. Could you imagine that? The guy who ends up probably with 20 million-plus votes starting the All-Star game for the umpteenth straight year in a row just says he doesn't want to play. This feels like a waste of time to me. I want to save my energy. Anthony Davis hurt his Achilles. I don't want to waste my energy. I need to save that for down the stretch so my team can have a favorable playoff position when he returns. What do you do? There's nothing you can do, and I think it's just bad to try and move forward like that. As winter continues to kick the crap out of Chicago, our baseball teams have departed for greener pastures as pitchers and catchers reported for spring training today. When we come back, I'll discuss why it's the most overrated day of the year here on SportstownChicago.com. Ah, the sweet sound of take me out to the ball game. Really is a beautiful sound. Signifies the beginning of baseball season. As today, actually, some people mark as the official start of baseball season with pitchers and catchers reporting. But I am someone who thinks this is the most overrated day of the year. Overhyped. Pitchers and catchers reporting means nothing. Technically, people say they say it's the officially the start of baseball, but it's not. Officially the start of baseball is April 1st, 
when opening day comes around. That's the only day anyone really cares about. Not that I don't love baseball, but baseball is a long grind. It's a 162-game season over five, six months. There's a lot of games. Sometimes you could watch seven games in one week. It gets to be a lot. It's hard enough keeping up with all of those games throughout the regular season. Why do we feel the need to subject ourselves to the excitement of baseball right now one month or two weeks before any spring training games are even played and a full six weeks before opening day? NBA is about to hit its stride. The NHL is hitting its stride on its season. We just had the Super Bowl cap off a great NFL year. We're in a good spot with sports right now. I don't understand the need to romanticize pitchers and catchers reporting. And I speak from personal experience because last year on this date, I was in Arizona. My wife and I were there celebrating our 30th birthdays, which are three weeks apart. My wife's birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday, babe, if you're listening. But we went to the first day pitchers and catchers reported because only because we were in Arizona. I was like, you know what, Alyssa? Can we please drive to Glendale? Because pitchers and catchers are reporting today, and it's such a great day, and I just want to go see what it's all about. Sure. We, we took the drive. It was about an hour drive. We were in Scottsdale, maybe a little more. We got there, and it's literally just a bunch of dudes kind of playing catch, not even really playing catch. They don't want to be there playing catch, but they're just kind of playing catch and slowly making it somewhat of long toss, but not really. They don't even really do that. So it's just overrated. Everyone who says it isn't overrated, you're lying to yourself because it's totally overrated. When we come back, speaking of overrated, we're going to talk about the Bears and their future and why they'll probably never be good as long as the McCaskies are owners here on SportstownChicago.com. As the consultant, I mean, we had that, um, which resulted in uh, the hiring of Ryan. Uh, we had Ernie Acorsi. The guy's got Hall of Fame credentials. Uh, been successful with two teams and uh, did a great job, first of all, establishing credibility for us in the interview room. And secondly, guiding us through the process and helping with the selection. I've heard a lot about, you know, you need a quote unquote football guy, a czar, a president of football operations, whatever. In our structure, the football guy is the general manager. And even if you had a president of football operations, that person at some point would have to be reporting to a, what you described, Danny, as a non-football person. So to me, it's not so much uh, the structure as it is the people. Uh, we think we've got the right people. We understand not everybody agrees with that, but we think we do. I don't know about the Super Bowl, but all I can say in closing is go Rams. You are tuned in to Old Sport Radio here on SportstownChicago.com. I'm your host, Pat Riley. Isn't it annoying how normal that sounds with the Benny Hill theme music dubbed over it? Just an absolute clown show over there at Hallis Hall. As the Bears finished off another mediocre 8-8 season this year with a first-round playoff loss to the Saints in which they never stood a chance and... When there was finally some hope amongst the fan base that some sweeping changes would be made. 
nothing happened, and they're bringing the whole band back together to do it all over again next year. Ryan Pace returns, Matt Nagy returns, Ted Phillips, and whatever he does returns, and they're going to give it another go. Those are going to be the people that try and figure out the quarterback situation. As I talked last week a lot about the Bears being mentioned amongst the many suitors, or few suitors maybe I should say, for Carson Wentz at the time. And you heard at the end of that audio, which by the way was courtesy of the formerly known as the Danny Parkins Show, now the Parkins and Spiegel Show on 670 to score. But they interviewed him, George McCaskey, being him, the chairman of the Bears, back in January. And he basically said that they like the guys that they have and they have a good culture and they like what they've established there. But he ended his interview by saying he doesn't know about a Super Bowl pick, but I will say this, go Rams, as the Rams were playing the Packers that weekend. So still, at the end of it, at his core, the the rivalry against the Packers is what seems to be the most important thing to George McCaskey, but he doesn't seem to know how to figure out how to overcome them because they have dominated the Bears basically my entire lifetime. And he views this team as being close to being a Super Bowl contender and being on that same level as the Green Bay Packers. But he's clearly delusional, and he should maybe be, maybe try and really look at th- how things are instead of how he perceives things. Because I, I ran some numbers, and let's play a game. I want to play a game with you guys, and it's going to be might be a little bit weird without the visuals. I have visuals, but I will just read the numbers to you. I I went back, and this is dating back to 1995, because in my mind, that's probably as far back as I can go where I actually took in football games knowing what was going on, that a sport was being played, that the idea was to win, and not that just it was something that my dad wanted to watch. That's when I became interested in sports at the tender age of five years old. So I'm going to go through three teams and just run through some of the numbers. This is, again, all since 1995. These teams will remain nameless until I go through the numbers afterwards I will unveil which team is which, and we'll discuss. So let's go with team number one. Again, since 1995, this team's regular season record is 177 and 239, a 425 winning percentage. They've had six 10 plus win seasons, three division titles, a 7 and 7 playoff record. And they are 0-3 in conference championship games. So that is team one. Those are the numbers, all right? Team two. 193 and 223. Good for a 463 winning percentage. Six 10-plus win seasons, five division titles, a 3-6 and six playoff record, 1-1 one one conference championship record, and 0-1 Super Bowl record. So that is team two. And then we will go to team three. 266 and 149, good for a 639 winning percentage. 18 10 plus win seasons, 14 division titles, 21 and 8 playoff record, 
three and four conference championship record, two and one Super Bowl record. Okay, so I'm just going to do a quick rundown of all three teams again, and I want you to, guys to see if you notice the same thing that I noticed. So again, I'm not going to break it down. I'm just going team one, team two, team three, all in order. Here we go. 177 and 239, six 10 win seasons, three division titles, seven and seven playoff record, 0 and three conference championship. 193 and 223 record, six 10 win seasons, five division titles, three and six playoff record, one and one conference championship, 0 and one Super Bowl. 266, 149, 18 10 win seasons, 14 division titles, 21 and 18 playoff record, three and four conference championship record, two and one Super Bowl record. One of these things is not like the other. Okay, team three is nothing like team one or team two. Do you want to take a guess who team three is in this scenario? Yes, team three is the Green Bay Packers, the team that George McCaskey is so hell-bent on being better than and taking down and all of his focus. The Green Bay Packers take up so much room in George McCaskey's head, yet we're not even in the same stratosphere as the Green Bay Packers. And I shouldn't say we, the Bears, are not in the same stratosphere as the Green Bay Packers because, as stated here, the Green Bay Packers win games, they win divisions, they get to conference title games, they won Super Bowls. They've done things that the Bears consistently, and they do all these things consistently. A 639 winning percentage since 1995. That's almost 30 years. That's almost 30 years, and they're winning 64% of their games to the Bears' 48% of their games won. It's embarrassing. So let's unveil the other two teams. Since the Bears want to be so much like the Packers, they think they're so close. Obviously, one of these two teams left is the Bears. And that team is Team 2. The team with the 193 and 223 record, 6-10 win seasons, 5 division titles, 3-6 and six playoff record, 1-1 one one conference championship, 0-1 Super Bowl. So before I unveil who Team 1 is, let me just read them to you one more time. And... And just so you can take the, a second to wrap your mind around what you're about to hear about who the Bears are, basically, who the comp is for the Bears in the NFL since 1995. Team won 177 and 239 record, six 10 win seasons, three division titles, seven and seven playoff record, 0 and three in conference championships games. Team number one is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who have one of the worst reputations of any team in the league, have been synonymous with losing for, I would say, at least the last 10 or 15 years. That's who the Bears are since 1995. And the only reason I said it was because I started paying attention to football in 95, I dated it back to 1995 only because that's when the Jacksonville Jaguars became into existence as an NFL franchise. So in that time period, since the Jaguars have existed as an NFL franchise, they've won four more games than the Chicago Bears. The storied Chicago Bears, one of the original franchises, Papa Bear Hallis, one of the great franchises in the NFL, has won three playoff games in the last 30 years. 
25 years, but still three playoff games. How many did I say the Packers have won in that same time period? 21. So George McCaskey, instead of sitting there on your high horse talking about how you have the right people in place that you're so close to competing, why don't you really look at how things are and where your team stands within the hierarchy of not just the NFC North, but the NFL in general, okay? And I mentioned those things before for a very specific reason. We're talking about one of the most storied franchises in NFL history with the Chicago Bears. But all of those stories are starting to get really old, and we haven't established anything new to stack on top of that storied franchise lore since 1985. I'm a Bears fan who's 30 years old, and all I can talk about is something that happened five years before I was even born. That is the crown jewel of our my team's fandom, the Chicago Bears fandom, is the fact that the team won the Super Bowl in 1985, and they did it, yes, as one of the best teams in NFL history, but they also never got back with that team and have only been back once since then and lost that game and has only won three playoff games since 1995. This is maybe me just venting, but it's also me just trying to trying to get through to other Bears fans that we don't have to sit here and just put up with this. I know it's hard to think about. You want to stick with your team through thick and thin, and ultimately that's what I'll do. I'm never going to give up on the Bears because on the off chance they do figure it out one season and they win that Super Bowl, it will be one of the great feelings of my lifetime. But that doesn't mean I have to be happy about the way things are run because it is a clown show. There's a reason why I put the Benny Hill theme music over the George McCaskey audio there because they're running a clown show. They're delusional. The people that they have in charge aren't the right people to bring them to the promised land. Ted Phillips has been in his position for 20 years plus. He has been the man in charge for the majority of those whopping three playoff wins in 25 years. Ryan Pace has failed miserably as a general manager. Matt Nagy has been going downhill entirely since his first season when he won Coach of the Year. No Bears fan right now is looking at this situation and going, you know what? All we need to do is figure out the quarterback. It's not like last year where with the Bucks, where they bring Tom Brady in and all of a sudden they win the Super Bowl. I, most Bears fans that I talk to still feel like, well, if Tom Brady came here, he would just suck. Something would happen and it wouldn't work out and the Bears would just, he would have his worst season of his career here because quarterbacks come here to die. And that's the reputation. These are the reputations that the current Bears have, that the people that that are in those offices in Hallis Hall in Lake Forest, the George McCaskies, the Ted Phillips, the Ryan Paces, maybe not so much Ryan Pace, but they're either ignoring it or, again, they're just so delusional that they don't know that it exists, but it does exist. The Bears, in my opinion, are not a storied franchise anymore. They are a laughing stock because of the way that they handle their business. 
and the way that the team up north has dominated them for my entire life and the way that Aaron Rodgers does what he does every single year when the Bears play the Packers and the way that he has an 80, you know, an 800 winning percentage against the Bears over the course of his career. They they think they have it figured out, but the numbers show that they don't. All those numbers that I just read, none of those things are coincidence. Those are the accumulation of 25-plus years of incompetence running this organization. And as I said, as long as the McCaskies own this team, the Bears will never win a Super Bowl. You can quote me on that because I've seen it for this long in my lifetime to have no hope that anything's ever going to change because why would it? Why would it change at this point? What is going to... The quarterback, they're going to figure it out after not figuring out the quarterback for 30 years. I doubt it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all I've got for this week's episode of Old Sport Radio. I appreciate everyone who's listening right now. If you don't already, join us on Facebook. Our Facebook group is called Old Sport. Just submit a request and we will approve you. You can follow me on Twitter at ToThePatCave. Hope everyone has a fantastic evening. This is Pat Riley. And I'm out.